Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about the dangers and drawbacks of life hacking with Professor Joseph Regal. You'll also learn about the evolutionary reason why your fingers get pruny when they're wet. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Life hacks aren't all fun and games, as you will learn in this edition of our Hacking Thursdays miniseries. We're joined by Joseph Regal, an associate professor of communication studies at Northeastern University and the author of the new book, Hacking Life, Systematized Living and Its Discontents. Here's what he told us when I asked him, what are the biggest drawbacks to life hacking? What does optimization come at the cost of? Well, I think there's two big things uh, we might be sacrificing. One is as a type of self-help that's very individualistic. I liken life hacking to donning a set of blinkers like we put on horses. So you put the blinkers on the racehorses so they look afar and they can see that finish line and they can race towards that finish line and beat all their competitors. And in a world where we have uh, pervasive distractions, right? You go on your computer, you have to do your work, but social media is there, the apps are there, messaging is distracting you. It makes sense to to don those blinkers. Or if you're a work horse, you know you want to don out all, get out all the distractions that are bothering you. But the risk is is that if you're also an optimizing sort, that you might be approaching the edge of a ledge and not really appreciate how far you are to falling off. Or Maybe you're really not appreciating the people on your periphery who you're trotting underfoot or bumping aside. So I think there's risks both to the individual life hacker by way of optimization, because maybe you optimize the wrong thing or you optimize it too long, or by optimizing one thing, you're ignoring everything else in your life. And then, you know, when you're, when you're doing this in a selfish sort of way, I think there's a lot of cases where... Um, for instance, let me give you an example. One of the folks I talk about... Uh, went about hacking her her dating life. And she came up with a spreadsheet that she put on uh, Google and shared with other people to use. And she came up with a number of attributes that she could rate men on for her dating. And she had deal breakers, which means she would never date men that had those qualities and attributes. But she ended up getting with someone who had six of her deal-breaking attributes. And she realized that a relationship, there's give and take, there's negotiation, there's discussion. And when life hackers, particularly the quantifying optimizing type, approach a problem, they think they think of it as like a computer problem, like finding someone to date is a search problem. So there are hackers that have gone on hundreds of dates in a couple of months looking for that perfect person. And maybe there really is no perfect person out there waiting for you. There are candidates, and many of them could be really good for you if you do the work with them. So sometimes it's just a problem of misconceiving what the problem is, especially if you approach it as a solution that needs to be optimized. Another great quote that I think of is uh, Dan Savage always says, there is no one. You just find the 0.7 and you round up to one. <laughs> oh, I like that. And that's very good too. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that is good. I, you made me think of a productivity hack that we talked about from Elon Musk, scheduling your day in five minute chunks. He schedules that precisely. And we even wrote in our article that admittedly that leaves him with less family time. And family time is pretty important to our happiness, right? So one thing gets optimized, but another thing gets overlooked. That's the kind of thing you're talking about. Yeah. I uh, talk about a life hacker in my book, uh, Nick Winter, who's a productivity hacker and how he was, he really wanted to maximize his productivity, uh, 
and he read all the productivity books out there about procrastination and how to avoid it, about how to create good habits, how to maximize your motivation. And he was able to work 120 hour work week. And, um, that's potentially dangerous, but at least he was savvy. He also created quantifiable goals for the number of times he went out with friends and the number of uh, pull-ups he would do and the number of dates he'd go with his girlfriend. And that idea, that Musk idea of every five minutes, that just seems like that would make 99.9% of the people in the world miserable and it wouldn't be an effective approach. The maxim I prefer is not to prioritize your schedule, but schedule your priorities. That's from Stephen Covey in his um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And so my whole take on all of that, so in terms of time management, is you really need to set aside the time for the things that you really value and not allow the calendar to dominate your life. The key takeaway, remember to make life hacks work for you and remember that you can't always quantify the solutions for your problems. Again, that was Joseph Regal, an associate professor of communication studies at Northeastern University and author of the new book, Hacking Life, Systematized Living and Its Discontents. You can find a link to the book and more in today's show notes. And next week, we'll wrap up our Hacking Thursdays miniseries with a discussion on what happens after your life has been fully optimized. You can optimize your home with today's sponsor, First Alert. There are three things every homeowner wants their home to be, smarter, safer, and more fun. What if I told you one link by First Alert can help you optimize all of those things? First, meet your family's new best friend, the One Link Safe and Sound. It's a hardwired smart smoke and carbon monoxide alarm with a premium home speaker, and it's Alexa enabled, all in one sleek device. It's built with First Alert safety technology, and it gives you an immersive, top notch sound experience. The Safe and Sound elevates any home, but it gets even better than that. OneLink by First Alert also offers the OneLink smart smoke and carbon monoxide alarm that works with the OneLink safe and sound. That's a device that's easy to install and protects against both smoke and carbon monoxide. If smoke or CO is detected in the home, the smart alarm will notify you using exclusive voice and location technology and send a notification to your smartphone, whether you're at home or away. A smart home should start with smart protection, and OneLink by First Alert welcomes you to a smarter, safer home. For more information, visit onelink.firstalert.com. One more time, that's onelink.firstalert.com. There may be an evolutionary reason why your fingers prune when they're wet. You know what I'm talking about. You're taking a bubble bath, minding your own business, when suddenly you notice that it looks like your fingers are aging at a rapid pace. Of course, they're not actually aging, they're pruning. And scientists have known for a while how this happens on a physiological level, but they've never offered an explanation for why it happens, until recently. Way back in the 1930s, scientists discovered that fingers with nerve damage do not wrinkle in water. That implied that the wrinkling was an involuntary reaction by the body's autonomic nervous system. But it wasn't until nearly a century later that researchers finally uncovered the mystery of why this happens. A research study from 2013 set out to prove the theory put forward by evolutionary neurobiologist Mark Changizi and his colleagues, who suspected that the wrinkles were optimized for providing a drainage network that improved grip. The researchers had half of their study participants soak their fingers in water, then had all of them try to pick up both wet and dry marbles. They found that pruny fingers were better at picking up wet objects and no worse at picking up dry ones. Changizi explained to Nature News that pruny fingers are basically rain treads. Our ancestors likely needed help catching food in wet conditions, and their wrinkly toes helped with footing. 
But one thing is still puzzling researchers. If wrinkling improves our grip in wet conditions and makes no difference in dry conditions, then why don't our fingers stay permanently pruney? The current hypothesis is that wrinkling could make our fingertips less sensitive, which would make it easier for us to hurt ourselves. So the next time you're enjoying a nice bubble bath or soaking in a hot tub and you reach for a delicious beverage, you've got evolution to thank for the fact that your glass doesn't slip from your fingers. Hey, Cody, I have one piece of advice for taking a bath. What's that? Never use a yellow bath bomb. Why? Bath bombs turn the bath water the color of the bath bomb. So if you have foamy yellow bath water, it is not, it's not a good look. Not pleasing. No. Not aesthetically pleasing. (laughs) Not at all. Even if it smells good, it doesn't look good. What if your bathroom isn't lit with a traditional light, but with a black light? Ooh, I don't, I don't know if yellow bath bombs are black light activated the way that, you know, this, what they look like is. <laughs> so you don't have a black light in your bathroom. No, I don't. See, I like my, my bathroom at home to be like a rave. You have a black light in your bathroom? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. But I'm really glad you thought I did for a minute. I mean, I, I you're might, full of surprises. You know, my wife's out of town. I might put black lights in her bathroom <laughs> just to mess with her when she gets back. <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. Read about today's stories and more on Curiosity.com. Join us again tomorrow for the award-winning Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Ashley Hamer. And I'm Cody Goff. Stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.